Hi, welcome to The Incompatibles. I'm Lori. I'm Baron. I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I take my time. I get it done. I lean left. I lean right. I'm a dreamer. I like reality. I can read emotions. I know how to read a map. How do incompatibles make a life together? We've done it for 40 years. Lori, you said at the top that you're an introvert. What does that mean to you exactly? Well, it means that right now that I need to think about that question. Yeah, so, you can't just talk right off the top of your head. I I don't want to talk right off the top of my head because I'll sound like an idiot. I want to think about my response before I speak. Okay, but you're not suggesting that people that talk off the top of their heads are idiots, are you? <laughs> Some of them are. Okay. But no, an extrovert is more comfortable just putting out half-baked thoughts. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> well, that's not necessarily an insult. It means just that you like to work things out through talking. Kind of sound like an insult, but I think you're <laughs> right. I like to think out loud, and I like to have an interactive process to get to the end of my thinking. So mm-hmm. I might throw out something half-baked, like you say, or just the beginning of a thought is the way I'd put it, and then somebody would add to that, and then we together we would collaborate on a solution. And that process, that interactive process, is very productive for me. It's exciting. It makes me want to continue with the thinking and the whole process. So to me, that's extroversion at its peak. I mean, you're engaging with other people in a successful way, and you're producing something of value. So I don't know. I like it. So that's a nice theory, and it probably works if you're talking to another extrovert, right? If you really are bouncing ideas back and forth like a tennis match, you might come up with something that's like a product of both of your minds. Correct. If you're open-minded, too. However, you try that with me, and guess whose thoughts get developed? Mine. (laughs) Right. Awesome. Because I am thinking about, like, you toss me the tennis ball and I'm going to take it off and look at it and think about it while you keep bouncing balls my way and it's not going to work. This was the void that I waited 25 years to figure out, right? Yeah. This is So you sort of gave me that expression that was somewhat hard to read, I guess I would say stark or... Face. Uh, yeah, you could say poker face. You could also say blank. That would be one way to think of it. Uh, so he gave me this sort of blank expression, which I just interpreted as encouragement to continue to yes. talk. Oh my and God. somewhere along the line, about the middle of our third decade together, realized that's not working that great. And that's really not what you meant. And right. that provided a lot of opportunity to improve our communication. <laughs> yes. Right. So... My pause means that I'm thinking about what you said, I'm processing it, and I want to come up with a thoughtful response. You think it means, oh, she needs me to explain more. No, I just think you're in awe of what I'm saying that you Uh, want to hear more, right? It's much more egocentric than that. Okay. Whatever, you just then keep talking, which gives me more that I have to process or interferes with my processing, so it slows me down. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you're getting more impatient. Yeah. So that was very helpful for us to come to that observation. True. And uh, for us, it helped improve our communications quite a bit. But it's a dynamic that exists 
in every interaction. You write in your book, uh, Introvert Power, that half of the world is introverts, and the extroverts like myself don't really pay much attention to that because we tend to dominate in the world because we're the ones talking and we're the ones that are most visible. So help me understand how I got better at communicating or how others mm-hmm. like me can get better communicating with folks like you. Yeah, yeah. It took some awareness on both of our parts, right? Like for me to let you know that I'm thinking and that you needed to know that. You didn't automatically know that. So uh, I talk about narrating my introversion. Give me an example of that, because I don't think people know what that means. Okay, so instead of just leaving the room because I need a break, (laughs) saying I'm leaving the room because I need a break. I just need some time to myself to think. It's not about you. Okay. That can reduce a lot of misunderstandings that I'm stomping out because I'm bad or I'm a snob or I'm indifferent that somehow it means something about a relationship rather than it means something about me and the way I regulate. Yeah, that was hard for me because when you used to leave without narrating, I would think, what the hell just happened? Why did you just walk off and (laughs) go away for like three hours, you know, and what is she doing in that room? (laughs) So when you tell me I need to think about it, let my mud settle, I like that phrase actually. To me, I need to let my mud settle, whatever the hell that means. Somehow the image of it and the water clearing, that's easier for me to understand. And yeah, I'm okay. Like, yeah, great. Okay. We'll talk later or whatever. We'll come back to it basically. Yeah. Yeah. The mud settle one, that's from Lao Tzu. And it's this idea that if you let the mud settle, the right answer will arise by itself. It becomes clear. And I think that speaks to the power of introversion, the power of just letting there be space so that thoughts can arise more clearly. And that's hard for an introvert to do when an extrovert is talking. Yeah, I get that. You used the phrase fertile void too before. What is that basically the same thing? Yeah, that's an Eastern philosophy idea that a void is a fertile space. It's a space where you can access thoughts beyond the immediate circumstances. You can integrate. You can uh, bring together past, present, future, whatever. Yeah, for me, that's hard because I don't like that. (laughs) Um, I don't want to sit. I want to act. Yes. I have a, you know, an impulse toward action. And I think a lot of things get done better if you act sooner rather than later. You know, the old, Mm -hmm. you know, why wait for perfection or 80% solution, whatever. I want to get it done. I've thought about it enough. I don't need to sit here and look at my navel for another five hours or think about my feelings. Okay, (laughs) let's just change the oil in the car and so we can drive the car tomorrow. Or let's, you know, let's be purposeful and go through our thoughts, but not overly analyze the situation, which I find absolutely maddening. So an example of when I made you crazy. I don't have that much time. It's a really (laughs) short show. Hey folks, would you like to help me buy Lori an anniversary present and support our show? Head over to incompatiblespodcast.com and click on the donate button. After 40 years with me, you know she deserves a gift. So, yeah, it's frustrating for you when I don't produce a response, a decision, input. You, as extroverts are, 
like reward. There's actually pathways in your brain, dopaminergic pathways that get activated and you want to get rewards from the external world. You want that feedback. Absolutely. Uh, Introverts are a little less sensitive to that. Actually, it's a very adaptive skill in our society, right? Absolutely. To get those rewards, to get social approval, to engage. That's all good. Yeah. It However. is. It is. And that, yeah, it, let's go with the yes but thing, okay? <laughs> yes, Instead and? of just like, don't no. do that or don't be that way. And that's the challenge, right? Because, you know, as a couple, you have a tendency to go one way. I have a tendency to go the other way. And that's every moment of the day. Yeah. You want to go think, I want to go act, you want to do this, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. So in that space, there's a potential for tremendous amount of conflict, friction, negative feeling, whatever. Not only potential, we fulfill that potential on a regular basis. We do. But How do we get along? How do we make it work? I guess people might want to know that. Well, I think for me, it's helpful when we just discuss our natural differences. This is what I need to do now. Mm-hmm. And your level of insistence on whatever that is, I have like this natural sort of like Lori gauge, whatever you want to think about it, her intensity about whatever she needs, I mm-hmm. need to think of it as relative to the importance of what I want to accomplish. So if I don't particularly need a decision right away, but I want one and we can decide later, if I really need a decision, then that can create a lot of conflict in that moment. And you get frustrated with me. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, like, it's like we're driving or something, and I need to know whether we're going to turn off the road. <laughs> you don't have five minutes. You have 30 <laughs> seconds, okay? I need a decision. Uh-huh. Right, right. There are a few moments in life that are that urgent, but when it comes up, your tendency toward introspection is crazy making for me because it just is incompatible with my worldview. So awareness, probably the first thing. That's yeah. how that's how we start. And then from there, it's mostly, I think, gauging my response based on my understanding of your needs at the moment. Well, I think that is a good general rule of thumb for couples, right? Like if it's super important to you, I might bend my own preference. If it's super important to me, you might bend your own preference. Yeah, we spend a lot of time on the couch just talking through things. This is usually after you've given me this face where you walk off and I realize, oh, oh, okay, well, maybe I misjudged how important it was to her. So now we have to have another conversation. This is usually us sitting on the couch together in the evening after we sort of burn through whatever negative emotion we had in that moment and away from each other and come back and we reconcile the day, I guess would be a way to think about it. We reconcile the day yeah. and we come to some natural conclusion and usually things get resolved. Almost all the time things get resolved. Not every time, okay, but most times. too much yeah. for my brain. Right. I like but what the, you're saying. But, but you're half over- the listeners right now are just super excited <laughs> for me to keep okay. talking. The other half are like, shut the yeah, hell up. Yeah. So I get so it. So my silence, remember, my silence isn't just like you said that I'm mesmerized. I'm waiting for you to stop because I have about five thoughts that your thoughts have generated. Okay, go ahead. And I'm going to miss them. So one of those thoughts is that opposites, like us, require a lot of communication. And I think that we're married almost 40 years, so we have had a lifelong couples therapy session, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. Because if we didn't, we wouldn't survive. 
Absolutely. But that's life. I mean, you're always helping the other person, your partner, your wife, your husband. You're always helping well, that person yes, okay. get to someplace. Not not that without challenges, but that's I, part I of the commitment. That that's that's part of the commitment. We have a high conflict, high communication relationship. Ooh, I like that. I think that some couples are more in sync naturally and maybe don't have as much of a need for untangling that's true. on a regular basis. That's true. And so when conflict does come up, it seems more desperate or more dangerous. Maybe. Or just, you know, it's like, okay, now we need to talk, which is like a, a less common thing. Like for us, it's like now we need to talk on <laughs> what, a daily basis. Yeah, it's a daily basis, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was one of my thoughts that your loquacious response interfered with. But I've lost the other ones because you talked over them. Fair enough. Okay. One thought is coming to mind, though. I think in terms of how we worked through this revelation after 20 years that my void is not a void that I'm thinking and that I would like you to accommodate that. Sure. Is now, right, when I am silent in response, you'll catch yourself and you'll say, oh, you're thinking about it, right? Yeah. Not enough, apparently, but I do do that. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I appreciate that. Well, it helps me to understand my own personality. And so understanding that I am an extrovert, I mean, I didn't take psychology like you did in college, you know. You spent so many years in college making me take psych tests. <laughs> it was just crazy. So I remember the test where I got so frustrated with you, I just wrote everything related to the Chicago Cubs. Yes, and, that was a sentence completion test. Yeah, and every just, sentence you completed with a statement about the Cubs. Like my mother is a Chicago Cubs fan yeah. and I like the Chicago Cubs, whatever, all the right. way. And I'm like, the heck with you, score that, right? Yeah. So you're helping me. With my understanding of my personality, I think made room for me to be a better partner to you. So Thank my you. willingness to review it myself and honor what's, I think, great about me, which is that I'm an extrovert, and I think that's a great thing. Extroversion isn't a lesser introvert who needs to get better, okay? An extroversion oh is a quality I love of, that you're defending that because that's the myth about introversion that we've carried universally is this idea that we are inferior extroverts, that we are, in fact, I mean, we could go into the weeds with that, but that introversion is simply less extroversion. Yeah, you guys get picked on a lot. That's for sure. The quiet girl sits in the corner. I remember you mm -hmm. talk about you coloring in school and laying on the floor. Why don't they engage with us, all the cool people who want to talk or whatever? Just the people who like to socialize. You don't even have to be the cool kid. You could just be a person who likes to talk. And it's easy to pick on the introverts because they don't defend themselves verbally. And the first rule of mm -hmm. not getting bullied is you have to push back. And if, if you don't hear that... Okay, yes. Although silence can be very powerful if you... If not you, when you're five years old. Okay, well, I had a middle school girl write to me and she talked about after reading my book that she just carried herself differently. She didn't change her behavior. If she wanted to stay home on a Friday night, she would, but she carried herself differently. And she said that made all the difference, that people were drawn to her. They gave her respect simply because she carried her quietness differently. I think that was a great letter. That's one of my favorite letters that have been written to you about your book. And I agree with that 100%. It is, a, it is a way you carry yourself and the confidence that you show. So if you could have a quiet confidence, I agree with that. 
I mean, pauses can be super effective and powerful. Well, if you don't shrink away when somebody's right. starting to bully you, and maybe you do that, you don't shrink away. Like my eyes. Still... You tell me that my eyes can... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there's a starkness to your, your countenance. I think Washington Irving would be able to write about you. There's a moment of fear that rises <laughs> right. yeah, for everybody who's seen that face. Yes, yeah. yes. So there. Yeah. All right. Well, so you're a proud introvert. I'm a proud extrovert. And we're together here mm-hmm. for some 40 years. Yep. We've found a way mm-hmm. to live together. And a lot of it, like you said, I love what you said, high communication. What was the other thing? High, high conflict. High conflict, high communication. Yeah. What are we going to have a conflict about today? Well, we just did, right? You talked and talked and elaborated while I had about five thoughts. And the conflict for me is I don't like interrupting. So I wait for you to finish talking, which you're not going to do because that silence is such an invitation to you. So you're going to keep talking. I'm going to either start to tune out or I'm just going to get pissed off. Yes, that's happened. (laughs) Yeah, so that's a concept. Frequently. Right. So what do I do when my choices seem to be either to interrupt or to disengage or get pissed off? I just would prefer if you start talking. You want me to interrupt? I would rather you just put your hand up and say, hold on a second. I hear what you're saying. Let me respond to that. Okay, would you respond to a hand motion? I would, yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. A timeout. You could just, some type of nonverbal communication yes. that overrides my natural tendency to continue. That's all. I mean, it's okay to, you know, go like put your hands up or whatever. Or, you know, if all you do is give me this grim expression on your face, okay, that looks like you're stepping on a pebble, <laughs> you know, that is not really breaking through my ego, okay? Why you not? need to, because my natural tendency is to continue because I assume my ego thinks that you Well, you're... my natural tendency is to wait and be polite. So one of us has to bend on our natural tendency. Yeah, you need to change. <laughs> Become an extrovert for a second, and then maybe I will stop talking instead of expecting me automatically to recognize that you have a million important thoughts in your head that I need to now stop and listen to. Okay, so you're telling me to become an extrovert for a minute. You could become an introvert for a minute and notice my nonverbal communication. I could, and I have. It's just I haven't done it enough. (laughs) All right, that's our show today. Anyway, uh, for all you extroverts out there, uh, keep listening. And you introverts, uh, give your extrovert a little clue about what's going on internally. They don't read very well. The walking off thing and stomping (laughs) away, yeah, that's a type of signal, but not our favorite one. So let's see if we can find together a way to keep our communication going and um, get to the right... And it just helps to know that you're an introvert. You're an extrovert and what that means. That was huge for me. When you told me what it meant to you and who you were in a very definitive way and how my observations of you have been wrong because I haven't noticed that, Mm -hmm. that was very helpful to me. And that's on me for not understanding that. That's part of you educating a lot of folks on introversion. All right, so we're the Incompatibles. I'm Baron. And I'm Lori. Thanks for listening. Join us again on the Incompatibles when Lori and I discuss how an early bird and a night owl manage to live together. Thank you.